Part 1. Present Day. South Sudan, Africa. Chapter 1. Jamila was beside my bed, yelling into my face. Come, doctor. They're calling for you. Didn't you hear? No, I hadn't heard the squeal of the PA calling doctors to the OR. I had only just fallen asleep. I pulled on my scrubs and splashed cold water on my face, saying, What's happening? Who else is on duty? Got coffee? Jamila answered my questions. Got new wounded, of course. You're the last one up. How do you want your coffee? Cream? Sugar? Or the usual? We have no coffee at all. You're tough, I said to the young girl standing right there. She grinned and kept me in her sights while I stepped into my shoes. Then she ran out in front of me, yelling, She's coming! She's coming now! As I trotted down the dusty dirt path to the OR. We were in South Sudan in the drought season, in a hospital outpost in a settlement camp in the middle of a senseless and bloody civil war. The hospital was the product of an NGO organization called Kind Hands, and we were doing what we could in a desperate situation to keep bucking the tide of hopelessness. The hospital compound was made up of eight shoddy concrete buildings roofed with corrugated tin or tarps or hay. The female staff lived in one building, the men in another. We ate and showered in the third when it wasn't filled with the wounded and dying. We had the most primitive operating theater possible, a laughable closet of a lab, and three wards, isolation, maternity, and recovery. The professional staff was constantly changing as doctors went home and new ones came, and we were assisted by local volunteers, many of whom were internally displaced persons, IDPs themselves. Our current roster consisted of six doctors, a dozen nurses, and a dozen aides responsible for the emergency care of the 80,000 residents of this camp. Yes, eight zero, followed by three more zeros. All the doctors here had had to compete for an assignment with kind hands. We wanted to do good in the world, and yet very few doctors signed up for a second tour. It took only a couple of weeks for the enormity and the futility of the job to set in. Ten minutes after being roused by Jamila, I was in the operating room, scrubbed in and gloved up. The sole light source was a halogen lamp hanging from chains over the operating table, powered by the battery in Colin's Land Rover. The boy on the table was a very small four-year-old, who, according to his mother, had wandered too close to the chain-link boundary and had been struck by a bullet to his chest. Sabina, our irascible and irreplaceable head nurse, her long braids tied up in a colorful headscarf, was wearing scrubs and pink sketchers left to her by a doctor who'd gone back to Rio. By the time I arrived, she had efficiently swabbed the child down, anesthetized him, and laid out clean instruments for me in a tray. As I looked him over, Sabina gave me a rundown on his vitals. The child was bleeding like crazy, and given his small size, he could barely afford blood loss at all. I saw that the bullet had gone in under his right nipple and had exited through his back, just under his right shoulder blade. The boy's mother was standing there with a tiny new baby in her arms, her tears plopping onto the contractor's garbage bag she wore as a sterilized poncho over her rags. English was the official language here, and although probably 60 tribal languages were in use, plain English was understood. I asked, 
Mother, what's his name? Tell me his name. Nuru, the woman said. My God, my little son. I said to the unconscious child. Nuru, I'm your doctor. My name is Bridget. Your mommy is here too. Hang tough, little guy. Sabina wrote Nuru's name on a strip of tape, wrapped it around the boy's wrist while I did a fast exam with our portable ultrasound. There was so much blood still coming from the small boy, I had to find out if the bullet had gone through only his chest, or if he also had an intra-abdominal injury. I looked at the ultrasound. There's no blood in his stomach, that's one good thing anyway, I said to our head nurse. Maybe the only good thing. Sabina clucked her tongue and shook her head. Then she hung a bag of blood and threaded an IV needle into the boy's vein.